Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So this week, I am just going to get straight into it because there's a lot of information to give you. So I'm going to be telling you about the murder of Chris Donald. Samantha, does the name Chris Donald ring a bell at all? Not one. Okay. So it's a bit of an older case. This all happened in 2004, but I think you'll know the crime, maybe not the name. Okay. So Chris Donald, so it's spelled K-R-I-S-S, just so you know, because I wasn't too sure on the name. But yeah, so Chris Donald was born on July the 2nd, 1988 in Glasgow to his mum, Angela, and his dad, Alex. Um, he was closer to his mum because his dad moved away to Portsmouth to work on the oil rig, so he didn't really see him much. So he was very close with his mum. He also had quite a big family, I want to say. He had a big sister named Samantha, who hey. he was really close with. They were her to be inseparable. He also had two other sisters, Amber and Taylor, who were twins, and he had a younger brother called Laurie. So I say that's quite a big family. It's five kids, you know, so that, that to me is quite because I just had my sister Um, he was quite quiet and popular but he was just one of those people that kind of kept to himself Um, he went to Bella Houston Academy but he skied off a lot of the time to play like computer games and he was known to smoke weed with his friends and stuff so he never like he didn't have a criminal record he didn't do any big crimes it was just kind of silly things that you do when you're like an early teenage boy Um. He was 15 when the crime happened and he was only five foot seven, weighing roughly nine stone. So you can kind of imagine the build, like I'm five foot seven, I'm not nine stone, but <laughs> but like five foot seven for a guy, you know. Um, but he was kind of known in the local area, just, you know, he went to the youth clubs and the person that actually ran the youth club said that whenever like a fight or anything broke out, he would keep out of trouble like he would kind of avoid that so he wasn't the person that'd be in the middle of fights he wouldn't be causing the fights like none of that at all so we just kind of you can kind of get the guy I'm describing mm-hmm. now he grew up in Pollock Shields now I normally don't really get into the details of where the areas are or whatever but I am going to because Pollock Shields is actually a huge part of this story now the population of Pollock Shields in 2015 was 9,738. I actually can't get the population for 2004, but if you can imagine that's kind of 10 years prior, it obviously wouldn't have been that amount of people. But that's still a reasonable kind of size city. Um, But Pollock Shields, well, Glasgow is known for having gangs, and this is normally with rival kind of areas of Glasgow fighting against each other. You'll know what I mean, or, you know, football, etc. But Pollock Shields was actually known because there was gangs in Pollock Shields and it was due to their race. So it was normally whites versus Asians. And this was because, I, can't, I don't really have exact dates, but a lot of Asian families moved into the area. And, you know, people had said if you walked down the street, it was always Asian shops. And, you know, their doctors were Asian, their lawyers were Asian, which isn't an issue at all. But it was a very Asian kind of populated place. And this is where the kind of gangs came from. So the gangs were mainly males in their teens kind of early 20s would group up with other guys like them and they just kind of like they weren't fighting for anything apart from reputation Mm -hmm. so this was a major split in the youth of this area but also then affected the adults as well because you know you don't just hit 25 and be like oh 
okay, that's that part of my life done, you know. So it kind of would affect the elder people of the area as well. And it was kind of, you know, you can imagine the kind of place I'm describing to you. So on Monday the 15th of March 2004, at roughly 3pm, 15-year-old Chris Donald was actually walking along the street with his friend Jamie Wallace, and it's Kenmuir Street that he's walking along. Um, they'd actually, well, um, they're not at school at this time, so I think they've obviously bunked off school, and they've went and bought a new video game, and they were actually just heading home to play it. Um, they had also been smoking weed at this time as well. Now, a Mercedes stops next to him, and out comes this six-foot odd kind of massive Asian guy and begins attacking the boys now first he starts attacking Jamie however he moves on to Chris three cars then pull up two of them blocking their exits out of this street and the other was the Mercedes and it basically opened the back doors and this man attempts to bundle them both into the car James manages to escape however Chris as I described earlier he's five foot seven he's, he's nine stone and this guy is you know six foot odd quite a big guy was screaming that he was only 15 however the man was repeatedly punching him in the face and torso and got him into the car as jamie escaped one of the people in this car as there was more asian men in this car shouted you'll be next to which jamie replied come ahead which is apparently a kind of glasgow phrase for like bring it on kind of thing which personally i wouldn't be shouting in that situation but crying <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so this happened actually just under james grand's house so she'd actually seen it all kind of happen so had other witnesses and she was on her way down by the time the car drove off and at about three twenty-eight p.m that day they phoned it into strathclyde police to say that chris had been kidnapped now obviously the main question that you're asking is who are these people so this was actually a gang in Pollock Shields called the Shielders now this gang was kind of led by Imran Shahan who he had dyed short blonde hair so people called him Baldy now he was a huge guy he's about six foot odd and he's quite wide chested he boasted before that he had like a 50 odd inch chest he had told stories before that he'd um, he'd managed to give someone brain damage as he attacked them with a baseball bat and that he'd actually like cut off a finger of a rival before so he was he had a reputation in the area and not a good one also in this gang was his brother Ishan Crazy they nicknamed him um, Zahid Sigi Mohammed and also Dinesh Zahid um, so this gang there's about four kind of five of them and it's all really made up by this baldy leading it now baldy and crazy is what i'm going to call them that's just like orange is the new black <laughs> i know right honestly um so like people would say if they saw them it was easier just to cross the street just in case mm-hmm. like even though you had done absolutely nothing wrong you weren't involved it was just easier so back into the car so chris is left in the footwell of this car and was repeatedly punched he was also shown a knife and, and in the bulge of a bag they kind of showed him that telling him it was meant to be a gun now basically the following information we know through eventually testimonies or their phone signals so they went to M&D's in Strathclyde Country Park stolen Mercedes was there and this is where Zahid Mohammed left so he actually leaves here now I didn't actually know why but I basically found out it's because he actually had a tag on his ankle and needed to be home for his curfew so he then got a taxi from there back to Pollock Shields. I think it was just a driving offence tag. I don't think it was 
anything really big he was out for, but he obviously had to be home for a certain time, so he then left at this time. Um, now, it's known that during this time they were basically looking for a place to take Chris, and they were phoning others, and he's in this car as they're phoning, being like, hey, we have this guy, we want to do stuff to him, do you have somewhere we can go? Um, they then went on to drive to Dundee, which is about 100-odd miles from yeah. there. Um, um, this is basically, yet again, confirmed with a cell site analysis of their mobile phones um, and because they were found on local telephone masts. They had absolutely no success at finding anyone in Dundee, so they actually returned to Glasgow and take him to the Clyde Walkway. I don't know if you know where that is, but it's it's near the Celtic training ground. Okay. And their cell phones are picked up there at around 7.30pm. Now, he was now dragged from the car and we believe they restrained his hands we don't know with something or if it was just held back by somebody as he had no defense wounds and they stabbed him 13 times across the front and the back of his body um he sustained injuries to three arteries one of his lungs his liver and a kidney he was basically lying against this tree trunk kind of trying to keep himself up and as he's lying there he then like he feels like something on him and he opens his eyes and finds them dousing him in petrol. No they then way. throw a match towards him and set him alight, alight while he is alive. So he actually got up and kind of headed to like, a, like he really crawled to like a puddle and was rolling around in this puddle to try and put himself out. And he actually lay there and died at some point throughout the night, either bled to death, but he had injuries to over 70% of his body because of his burns now. Um, and there was when they found him, there was actually blood and scorch marks like all over kind of the logs where he was lying. At around 8 pm that night, the Strathclyde police got a call to say there was a Mercedes on fire in near some garages at the west end of Glasgow, but the car had no registration plates or anything, and it was confirmed to be this Mercedes. Um, unfortunately, Chris wasn't found until the next morning on March 16th, lying in like a muddy puddle adjacent to the footpath. Uh, the footpath. And a cyclist found him the following morning. Um, the detective, whose name is Elliot McKenzie, he was appointed to lead this investigation. And um, when they got there, they had to obviously realise that he was alive when he was set alight. Like, obviously, I've told you that, but they didn't realise due to the marks on the ground. And actually, like, he began at the top of a hill. And when he was found, he'd actually rolling down the hill. So they don't know if that was him crawling for help trying to put himself out this is all really unknown and unfortunately it's not because no one's telling you it's because he actually was on his own mm-hmm. which is you know he was a 15 year old harrowing. boy yeah it's an awful awful way to die especially when he did absolutely nothing wrong mm-hmm. um the mercedes was eventually checked and they found blood of chris and one of his shoes they also found a leather jacket belonging to baldy that was in the car so this has all been kind of checked over and that's what they've got. This is obviously around the time as well where they've had to tell his mum and his family that he, you know, he's been missing for roughly... what, Just over 12 hours? Yeah, just. Yeah, by the time he was probably found. So he's probably only been missing for about 16, 17 hours and then they actually find his body. I can't imagine it was quite easy. It was easy to identify. Um, so the investigation to why it happened begins. As you can imagine this isn't an area where people are going to kind of come forward. So there's no. not really, it's not like, you know, it's not like loads of stuff all of a sudden comes out, they've got witnesses, etc. It's all quite quiet. And due to the word on the street and some interviews they did do, I don't know who with, but they believed it is due to the, um, the gangs 
of different heritage. So they then put more police on the street and they're monitoring stuff, but that just makes people go more quiet. Um, one of the things they looked into very early on, which was a dead end completely, was talk of it being an honour killing. And the newspapers actually said it was due to James, who was dating a girl who had African heritage. James came out and said this was untrue. The girl, you know, she didn't have heritage that would be with honour killings. Like, you know, so this was basically completely written off. But I just want to note that, like, the girl basically was a bit traumatised by that, obviously. And she actually moved out of the area back home with her mum due to how much that blew up in the press, which I think it just kind of highlights that the press really needs to be careful of what they're saying. Because so early on, this girl was basically not blamed for it, but it was like, oh, this is why, and it had absolutely nothing to do with her. As you can imagine, this is when flowers start going up, and actually the Glasgow Central Mosque sent a bunch of flowers um, to his family, basically expressing how saddened they were by this. Um, I'd like to read it again. Paul Shields basically went really, really quiet. And the main question in the press conference, conferences was, was the murder race-related? And the police actually did try to downplay this at the beginning and basically were saying that they didn't believe it was and they weren't too sure. But actually it came out that, yeah, that is why it happened. So by the 19th of March, so, you know, a couple of, couple of what's four days. Yeah, four days. Baldy's name begins linking the crime to the media. And police also release a statement saying they know the street names of who was involved and they're waiting to act upon this. Now, on April the 2nd, 2004, there is a massive breakthrough and the police issue three arrest warrants. One for Zahid Ziggy Mohammed and second for Danish Zahid. However, we don't know who the third is for. I'm guessing it was maybe Baldy, but we actually don't know. Um, so Danish Zahid is charged with murder and Zahid is um, charged with abduction and murder um, because I think obviously one of them wasn't there when he kidnapped them perhaps. yeah one of them had the yeah, 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 yeah. tag or something yeah yeah exactly so when trying to get the rest of the gang prosecuted the police released some like basically realised something the rest of this group have gone back to Pakistan no way yeah so after they left Chris they dumped the car and basically went back to a flat. A witness who remains unnamed, because obviously they've came forward, basically told all the police this, so I think they've got an, um, that immunity, I can never pronounce the word immunity, basically was called by this gang and told to buy some petrol and go to a flat. When they arrived at the flat, they were given a bin bag of clothes and told to go burn it in a lane somewhere, to which they did. So I'm imagining this is basically everything they had that's gone. Yeah. After this, Baldy, his brother Crazy, and one of the Mohammeds flew to England and then they flew to Pakistan, which had at this time no extradition treaties. Do you know what they are or would you like me to explain? Um, I know, but... Yeah, I think it's maybe good I do explain. So an extradition treaty is basically, it helps governments bring criminals who have fled their country to justice. An extradition treaty does not guarantee the signatories will work harmoniously on the case. So basically what this means is if I committed a crime in Australia and moved back here, they could bring me over to Australia to charge me. But we didn't have this with Pakistan in 2004, so they moved there. So there was no, the Pakistan government didn't have to, by law, send them back over. Mm -hmm. Do they have it now? 
Yes, they do have it now. So, at this time in Glasgow as well, Scotland's first Muslim MP, Mohammed Sarwar of Glasgow Central, um, he was elected in 1997, I think, and I think he served until 2010, ensured that he would do all he could to make the men face justice. Now, the prosecutor fiscal began the other two trials. He just got on with them because they were actually in you know, in Scotland, so they could get on yeah. with that. So Danish Zahid was charged with murder. And Zahid Mohammed, he basically turned into a witness and just turned all the other gang members in. And his charges were just dropped to abduction due to the fact he had to leave because of his tag. So he basically talked to them and was like, look, I will give you everything I know if you get rid of my murder charge, to which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically just told them everything in the trial and basically just said that um like this is what their plans were etc etc but he actually kind of dropped why this happened so on the 14th of march which was the day before they Mm -hmm. were at a nightclub they believe it to be blanket on sokio street in glasgow and outside a shouting match ensued with a white gang and their gang and somebody threw a bottle at baldy and the white gang ran away and Baldy wasn't able to catch them. So he swore revenge. On March 15th, 2004, the day the, uh, the crime was committed, he went to Mohammed Beck's flat on Harriet Street and formed a base for his plan. He basically told the crew to meet there, which was his brother, Ishan Crazy, Zahid Sigi Mohammed and Danish Zahid. And he called connections to find out the boys' identities of who attacked him at the nightclub, but he couldn't find anything. Zaheen Mohammed told the court that him and his friend drove around the Pollock Shields area of Glasgow looking for anyone who was young and white. One of them said that he said he was going to chop them up and take their eyes out and stab them. As soon as they basically saw Chris and Jamie, that was it. Baldy just chose them and they jumped out of the car and began to beat them up. So Zaheed basically confirmed he did not know Chris. He was just a white boy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow. So he was sentenced to five years for abduction and the other guy was charged with racially activated murder and he got 17 years. So after this, police now know exactly who they need and where they are. So they're in Pakistan. Um, By April 2004, the MP Mohammed Sarwar has actually then travelled to Pakistan and he speaks to the president about the situation and basically explains what this could do to Glasgow because this could break out a massive race war due Mm -hmm. to the fact that they have managed to just go over there and nothing is being done about it so they basically he goes over and just kind of says like we need kind of help here even though he promises you know the the president sorry promises to get them it was more difficult due to you know you can't just create an extradition treaty for some and not others you know this is obviously a huge thing you can't be like oh we'll send them over to get charged but not other people blah blah blah. it's obviously a massive Mm -hmm. thing in may 2005 he met with pakistani dignitaries in london and basically the strathclyde police managed to get shaheed Baldy interviewed in Pakistan so they're able to go over and interview him there he was obviously living under a fake name and basically just kind of hiding away they hadn't obviously brought him over but they were allowed to go and speak to him over there 
And he kind of did the same as the other guy. So much for this kind of big gang. He basically revealed the location of the other two. And all three men were charged and flew back to Scotland in October 2005. Wow, what a way to go. You go all the way over there and then you're like, oh no, it was so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So DS Elliot McKenzie was involved again. And they basically searched them and at the airport found they were all wearing contraband. Oh, God, guys, come on. I know. And when they got out of Glasgow Airport, like, they were in shock a wee bit because, like, taxi drivers and people were actually shouting abuse at them for what they've done. And they were held by the prison service for the duration of their trial. The trial began in October 2nd, 2005. And the date I have for it finishing, which... I don't know if it's right because it seems quite long, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it could be right, is the 8th of November 2006. And this took place in the Edinburgh High Court, so it could have been a really long trial. Or it could have been the trial Mm -hmm. and the sentencing. I just, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's really long. So please tell me if I'm wrong. So basically, Ashan Crazy Sahid, Danish Shahid, Imran Baldi Shahid were actually the first men charged with a racially aggravated crime in Scotland as anyone from an ethnic background to a white person. Oh, wow. So I didn't actually know this, but yeah, they were the first people to actually commit a race crime from an ethnic background to a white person in Scotland. So that was quite a big thing, obviously. And they were all charged with... um, Baldy got 25 years and the other two were 22 and 23 years. Oh, wow, they're like... Good sentences compared to some things. Exactly, exactly. Which, as you know, I know it's not massive, but yeah, it's quite good sentences. Um, so they've got basically just other things to like update you while they're in prison. As you can imagine, Baldy's not just really kind of got on with prison. So basically, he was attacked in Blinney Prison. So they held him in a single occupancy cell. And in 2011, he said this was against his human rights. And again, in 2014, basically was like, this is against my human rights. I can't be held like this, blah, blah, blah. blah. But they were both dismissed. However, he did actually win this case in 2015 that being held wasn't against human rights. But he won the case and got absolutely nothing for it. They were like, okay, yeah, it's against human rights. Sorry. Oh, so Yeah. (laughs) He was also attacked again in Kilmarnock Prison. And he's actually been involved in prison attacks as well. So he's not just getting repeatedly attacked. As you can imagine, he sounds like he'd be an absolute nightmare in prison. And I'm yeah. seeing him like running this massive gang in there. Um, other members of the gang that are on the outside of prison have actually tried to get their sentence reducing, uh, reduced. But shockingly, nothing's been done. As you can imagine, I don't think they're reducing any of their sentences. Because even then, you know, one of them only got 22 years and that was in 2006. So he was actually, one of them's due to get out in like seven years' time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. none of their sentences have ever been reduced. James, the friend who was walking with him, as you remember, he had actually been charged and they were looking into him because he attacked Dennis Shahid's cousin. However, nothing was done and it was all dropped. I think they kind of just decided to leave that. Um, To finish... I just wanted to talk to you about some tributes that were done for Chris. And one of the main ones is, I don't know if you know the band Glass Vegas. They're a Glasgow-based band. They actually wrote the song Flowers and Football Tops after being inspired by the tragedy and the likely effect it would have had on the victim's parents. 
and they actually dedicated their 2008 Philip Hale Radar NME Award to Chris Donald's memory. A memorial plaque was also installed on a bench beside the River Clyde near to where he was killed in memory of Chris. And in addition, a memorial plaque was placed on a public fence in Pollock Shields close to the spot where he was kidnapped. And in July of 2018, friends and family gathered at the spot to remember him and what would have been his 30th birthday. So he would have been like 33 years old now. Wow. Basically, that's all I have to tell you, but I just kind of want to sum up as it was... Yeah, again, the first racially advocated crime, but also there was no reason for it. And I think that's what makes this worse of all. I think this is probably one of the most gruesome ones we've done crime-wise. But the fact is he was genuinely just in the complete wrong place at the complete wrong time. And had a horrific death. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I know that everyone we do that dies, not any death. It's like, oh, that's oh. quite an easy one. It's, it's still no. horrendous. But to be repeatedly stabbed and set on fire just for being and so young 15 like he must have been absolutely terrified and to not even be part of really a gang as well no. not saying it would be better if they were but the fact was he had nothing to do with any of it no no and that's something I kind of mentioned it briefly but I don't know if I maybe didn't mention it enough um as I'd said he wasn't in trouble or anything and he was kind of just kept to himself but that's the thing he wasn't in a gang he wasn't the boys outside the nightclub that attacked him he had completely nothing to do with this mm-hmm. and wow. ended up losing his life just for accidentally being somewhere he shouldn't have been which is just awful Thank you.